Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Guys, thank you so much. And listen, um, I know everybody's getting antsy, but we're just settling into the message right now, so just relax. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to share something really short, but I just want to thank Mr. Van Horn. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for all the information. It's super helpful. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something that he said. The very first thing that Larry Van Horn said when he first showed up uh, way back three and a half years ago, he said, the absolute best way that people can give to this project is to just give to it. Um, and I appreciate you saying that because I think while he's here to sell bonds, he's actually here to see this project come to pass. And so if you have a ton of money and you say, you know what, I don't need to make interest on this. I just, I need to see the kingdom advanced. I need to see the project completed. I need to see it done in my lifetime. Um, then by all means, you can just give money as people have been to the building fund. So we've been able to do what we've been able to do because there have been so many people who've been faithful to give to the building fund. And when I say, um, to answer your question back here, I'm not sure where the $3 million was. That might've been your last church. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm just kidding with you. But uh, the, the, the point is, is that we, we have between 800,000 and a million, I don't know what the exact figures are, um, already into this project. So uh, the, the developers already have a, a huge down payment. We put 400,000 down. We paid another 472,000 to finish out the lobby in the River Health and Wellness Center. We paid another few hundred thousand um, to have Kings open and running. So these are all things that we paid with cash um, that you all gave towards the building fund. And those things are bought and paid for. So uh, by all means, like that, God has blessed us. You all have been faithful. Most of you have been some, I'll say some, uh, have been a, a, a handful or so. And so, uh, but if, if, if there's um, money to give and the Lord's put it on your heart to give, by all means, please do uh, be generous with that. Um, but the bonds are just a really awesome God-given way for us as a church to be able to invest back into the legacies and the generations of our, of our family. Say one quick thing about that. What we're really asking you to do with the bonds is take some part of an investment you have somewhere else and bring it into the church. So it's really just transferring an investment from one place to another. Now, the, and Zach's exactly right on the giving. Every dollar that you give is a dollar less you have to borrow. Uh, and so it's a real blessing. Many, many people do both. They give to the building fund and then they invest their IRA because they couldn't give that to the building fund anyway. But just keep in mind, we're not asking you to give anything uh, for this project, for this uh, program. We want you to move an investment and then give as, as the Lord puts it on your heart, like Zach said. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to keep you for 10 more minutes. Turn with me to Isaiah 49. And listen, the, the packets that you have, this kind of like hunter green looking job with the pinstripes, this was one per family. We need these for the second service unless you guys commit right now to buying all these bonds. If we're going to do that, you can have the rest of them too. Um, but we need these back, okay? So if you, if you ended up with two in your family or if you ended up with one and you say, no, I'm just going to give the money, um, I'm going to go ahead and give the quarter of a million instead of invest it into bonds, that's fine too. Please turn this back in at the welcome kiosk on your way back out. Turn with me to Isaiah 49. I just want to share something short with you um, that the Lord put on my heart because I... I uh, 
I see what's happening in the kingdom, and I think that many of us see it as well. I think a lot of what the Lord's blessed us with here is a um, sort of a 100,000-foot view. We've been praying for New England. We haven't just been praying for our church project. We haven't just been praying for Swansea. We've been praying for revival and the kingdom to come in this region of the United States on earth as it is in heaven. And so because of that, we're seeing incredible things happen. We're seeing shifts on a, on a, on a huge and spiritual level. And so I want to thank you guys for that. Um, but also, one thing that Larry had said about the sphere of influence, um, I love how there are so many people who are sort of adjunctly connected to his Providence Church. There are folks who come in once every six weeks and just sit through a service or come down to an altar to be restored and revived and then go back to serve in their ministry posts at their, at their home church. We have people who are here half the year. We have people who are uh, here every other month or every other week. Um, but there are also folks that you guys know and love, people who are in your family who uh, participate online every week. And again, we we need our entire family, our extended family. We need everybody who um, is even connected here to, to be praying and asking the Lord um, how to help make this thing happen. Isaiah 49. The prophet is talking about uh, sort of what's going to happen as the end comes near. In fact, if you have a subheading over 49, it says salvation reaches to the end of the earth. Um, and the promises, some of the promises that we've been waiting for generations, for millennia for, are starting to be fulfilled. And so I want to read to you in verse 14, it says, But Zion said, who said Zion, Jerusalem, Israel, God's people? Uh, we'll just include ourselves in this for today's intents and purposes. The Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. And I know that sometimes we feel like that. And I know that sometimes over church history, we can look back and we can, we can realize that, hey, there have been moments in, in church history and maybe even in your history where it's looked like God's forgotten you, where it's looked like God's forsaken you. And the Lord says this, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, listen to this. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Now, obviously, we read this and, it, you know, you don't have to be some prophetic guru to see the connection here between the Messiah taking nails and literally uh, for the sins and for the redemption and the restoration of the church taking the cross. But as I was digging into this, I felt like the Lord said, go a little deeper, Zach. And so I'm going to go a little deeper with you this morning in the next 12 minutes. So watch this. That word inscribed, some of your Bibles translate that as engraved, but it comes from a Hebrew word, hakak. And hakak means, yes, literally to engrave, but it also means to govern. To govern. And it comes from this sort of idea that folks who are in governance, who are in uh, political leadership would engrave laws, statutes, commands into tablets, much as the Ten Commandments were engraved into two stone tablets. Well, throughout history, and we see this beyond even the people of God, laws were engraved by lawgivers into stone. And so this idea of engraved, uh, th this idea, of this word specifically was used because Jesus engraved us on his hands, not only as an act of kindness, 
but as an exercise of kingship. And this is so important to lay a foundation for what's about to unfold in this passage. But I want us to make sure that we get that. If you're writing things down, there's never been a time as good as this with all the lights on where you can actually see what you're writing. We usually have the lights off, but um, Dr. Van Horn specifically requested to be able to look into the eyes. He wanted to see the whites of your eyes as you crested the hill. That's right. Jesus engraved on his hands, not just as an, he engraved us on his hands, not just as an act of kindness, but as an exercise of kingship. I think a lot of times we look at Jesus on the cross, especially in Catholic traditions, and we we see him still there because for some reason, somebody missed the part where he came down and rose again. But we, we see him on the cross and our heart breaks and we think, oh, this poor lamb. But I want to tell you this morning that this was not just the redemption of a lamb, but those nails were taken and our names were engraved as the roar of a lion, saints. That this was an exercise of kingly authority, something that doesn't make sense in our natural understanding, but something so much more important. And he says, the walls have continually been before him. Why? Because he is the real governance. Throughout history, the political parameters of Israel and even the guardedness of the church herself has been uh, shaky, right? At times, even completely overthrown. We look through the dark ages. Look look at Israel, even Israel in, in 1948 becoming a nation. And like the very day that it happens, the surrounding nations, um, you know, give an all out assault on her. It's like we, we watch this thing unfold and as we try to structure up and build up for ourselves these political parameters, these, th- this idea that we can govern ourselves, the Lord allows us to come face to face with just how unstable our mechanisms for order really are. But the truth about God's people has never left his attention. Those who are truly his are truly ruled by him. HPC has posed a risk to some. I know John Menashe is thinking, Zach, this probably isn't what you want to get into on the the day we're asking people to buy bonds. HPC has posed a risk to some who've come to lean on the illusion of church policies, procedures, and politics. Over the years, we've had people come, hang out for a while, ask me why there's no doctrine and bylaws on the website, and then leave. We've had people come, and when they realize there's no church membership, they leave. They come, and when they realize that they can't vote, they leave. They come, and when they realize that, you know, we're not governed by some, you know, earthly construct, man-made construct, they leave because it's a risk. But saints, I believe with my whole heart that there's a bride rising up whose hope is in being engraved in the hands of Jesus. There's a people whose strength is not in our own ability to govern ourselves, but it's in the scepter that's in his hand. And there's a church whose walls are made of fire, whose definition and whose parameters, whose policies and procedures are that of his and come from his throne room, amen? And so verse 17 says, your builders hurry, your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. And I love this part, right? Because um, number one, my father-in-law is a builder and he does not build slow. 
He builds fast. I am not a builder, but when I do occasionally build things, it is very slow because it's one of those one step forward, two steps back, and then go back to the hardware store and buy more lumber because you cut it all the wrong size. <laughs> hey, and Ron shows up. He's like, you got all your firewood for this year. That's great. <laughs> your builders hurry. Here's the deal. The building never stopped. I was working on a greenhouse this summer and I would build slow. Sometimes it's because I like to be outside and it's beautiful. I've got my music playing and I'm just taking my time, not worried about the fact that this needs to be done before winter. And then Ron would come and in 30 minutes, he would construct something that, you know, he would get it done right, what took me three weeks to do wrong. (laughs) And I think about the church and how the building has never really stopped. But there have been a lot of things that the church the global church, the church of America, the church of New England, there have been a lot of things that we've done wrong. And by the grace of God, it has taken us a long time to get it this wrong. But a time is coming, and I believe is now here when the builders begin to hurry. The building begins to hurry. Many, you've heard prophetic words from this pulpit. You've heard utterances and dreams and visions, and, and, and time in the spirit is speeding up. And the Lord is bringing people in and he's empowering and releasing people who are able to to do things at supernatural speeds. Let me tell you something. What you're a part of right here at His Providence Church, no wind in my sails or any of our elders or our leadership or anything like that, but this is abnormal for church in New England. And if you wanna just do a quick Google search, it's abnormal for church in America. This is not happening. What we're seeing here is not happening. That's why I'm so glad Larry said, if all the other churches in the country close, but we stay open. Because honestly, like, I'm just kidding. It's not going to happen. Because there's always been a remnant. But when the remnant stays close and stays intimate, when we keep leaning in, what we see, what unfolds before our eyes is the building begins to speed up. And suddenly you're like, whoa, how did that just happen overnight? Something that, we thought it was gonna take us longer to tear down. It happens, it's, we wake up and the Lord's done it. And saints, that's what's so incredible about this prophetic word is that we're seeing it before our eyes. The builders are hurrying. Watch this, oh, and by the way, I, I put this note down. It's always weird when scripture refers to time because I think you know throughout scripture, we see weird things like in the gospels, Jesus saying, you know, all this stuff's gonna happen in your lifetime. And then we're 2,000 years later and we're like, but we didn't see it happen yet. Time is weird. And it's even weirder when we see the prophets start to talk about time because the prophets are all over the gray area. With, they, they see time from heaven's perspective where in heaven there is no time. So things get weird. But understand this, that when it says the builders hurry here, it's because there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency in spiritual places. And then it says this line right here, and I love this part, destroyers and devastators will depart. Who are the destroyers and the devastators? Well, let me tell you, in 2022, almost 23, the destroyers and the devastators is the same old crap it's always been, just with a fresh coat of paint and and some digital version, okay, to appeal to the younger crowds. The enemy doesn't have anything new. He cannot create, he can only corrupt, and all he does is, is whitewash or put a fresh logo, just rebrand the same old garbage that's been getting people tripped up for thousands of years. The good news is this, 
there has been an awakening and a reemergence of yielding and deliverance ministries of inner healing and part of the significance of the apostolic anointing that's on this house. By the way, if you're confused about words about apostolic, make sure you're here next week uh, because uh, we're going to get really in depth of what that means for our church. Um, so, but I'm not going to get into it right now. The apostolic anointing identifies and releases these spiritual gifts for builders to be released, to be empowered, to, to be sent out and sent in. And so because of that, we're not afraid of, hey, the Lord wants to do this bizarre thing. Hey, in one year, God wants to, to launch these crazy ministries. God wants to do this thing that any normal level-headed person would take five years and then do it in another 10. But what we're seeing is the Lord does it overnight. These things are happening. They're they're blowing blowing up out of the ground supernaturally, and then they're flourishing because of it. Uh, Kim told me the other day, we're averaging somewhere around 25 new families a month coming into the River Health and Wellness Center. That's incredible. That's part of her presentation for next week, so I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep, uh, that's a spoiler alert right there. But the deliverance and yielding are demanding the departation of demonic assignments to destroy and devastate. And so simultaneously, two things are happening. The building is being hurried. It's being not in a, not in a, in a rushed sort of uh, neglectful way, but things are finally happening the way they're supposed to. So you're not having to take two steps forward and 19 steps back. We're seeing things happen and they're actually fruitful. We're giving to things. We're, we're investing in things, resources, time, manpower, uh, uh, vision. And, and it's actually coming back a hundredfold. And so again, um, Frank and Katie and our team opened uh, King's Academy wondering, God, are we gonna have 50 students this year? No, 170 students on the opening year. I'm, I'm not even tired of that statistic yet because it keeps blowing my skirt up every time I think about it. And so I'm hoping that the bride is understanding what's taking place here. Not only are, is the building happening in a more fruitful way than ever before, but the assignments from hell that have worked against the kingdom are being fought back. The gates of hell are not prevailing. It's important that we understand that the stuff we've been talking about for years, we're finally seeing it come to pass. Hallelujah! I'm going to say that last thing again. Deliverance and yielding demand the departation of demonic assignments to destroy and devastate. It's a lot of D's for you, Dr. Lucas. Verse 18, lift up your eyes. This is when it gets good. In fact, y'all can stand up. Maybe it won't be more than 15, 20 more minutes. Just kidding. Larry, you can stay seated. Lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you will surely put on all of them as jewels and bind them on as a bride for your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land. Surely now you will be too cramped for inhabitation. Huh. If Karen Eaton's in the house, she has, uh, she has been charged with the responsibility of making sure that everything that needs to happen in this building has a space for it to happen in. And let me tell you, that's two and a half migraines. <laughs> you know why? Because people are being released. 
because there's an apostolic anointing on this church that's not afraid. We're not in competition. If Pastor Daniel Bourget has a pr prison ministry that's twice as big as my church, I say, have at it. Take anything you want. What can we do? And that's been the posture of our eldership. That's been the posture and surrenderedness of our leadership team, of our executive team. It's whatever we have at our disposal to see these things come to pass. It's not been easy. It has not been easy to manage this when we have occupancy loads and we have uh, uh, codes that we're working with and we have privacy. Some of you guys have had really intimate counseling sessions on the other side of a paper thin black curtain while there's like a music class happening 10 feet away. People are banging wooden, people are banging wooden blocks together. People are singing hot cross stinking buns when you're trying to have demons cast out of you and listen, there's a, there's a reality to the, to, I'm gonna stand up here because I'm short. There's a reality to us getting cramps. And now I can't see my Bible talk on it. Let me just walk with this. I'll just, I'll just take this, I'm fine. I'm gonna read it one more time. Surely now you will be too cramped for the inhabitants. And those who swallowed you will be far away. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, the place is too cramped for me. Make a room for me that I may live here. If you were here last week, second service, if you weren't, you can watch it online. But we invited everybody down who was praying for prodigals. And this altar was flooded. There's 80 people maybe down here praying for prodigals over this season. Thanksgiving to Christmas, how hard it is to go through this time when loved ones are away from the Lord who once knew him. And because of those mistakes that the church has made, maybe, maybe because of the allure of the world, but for whatever reason, they're not where they ought to be. And we had this altar full of people, but then I just sensed the Lord put this like thing on my heart say, okay, now call up the prodigals who've come home. And they came up on this stage and it was uncomfortably cramped up here, uncomfortably full. And the prodigals who've come home began to pray over the families who were still waiting. And we saw something incredible happen, but it's getting cramped. And I think that over years and over generations, especially the Church of New England, we have elected to remain small. Not small in, in, in oh, we're, we're casting all this vision and we're raising money and maybe we're even doing building projects and that sort of thing, but our mindset has been small. Our grasp, our reach, our understanding of what the Father really wants to do has been cramped. And you know, what's crazy about this word? It shows up this other place in scripture and it's gonna blow your mind. In fact, you might wanna sit back down, but don't, but don't. I saw you trying to sit down on me. You remember the story when Absalom tried to take David's throne? And while David was out of town, Absalom took some advice and he went in to 10 of his father's concubines to make a statement. These, these women are mine now because this kingdom is mine now. And when David came back and he was restored to the throne, he took those 10 concubines and he confined them to a house of their own 
but they would remain barren and childless for the rest of their days. Well, the word that's used to describe his confinement of those women was this same word, sarar. And I, as I'm watching the Lord be restored to the throne, what we're doing with his bride, the ones that are coming back, oftentimes we end up backing them into a corner and saying, okay, there's a place for you, but it's not to be fruitful. There's a place for you, but it's not to give birth to vision. It's not to give birth to ministry. It's not to be a part of the kingdom coming. This place is too cramped. What we've done, what we've expected, the standard that we've held people to coming back in, it's too confining, it's too restraining, it's too restricting for the kingdom that's coming. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've been one of those people and you've come back, if you've been one of those people and you've, and you've returned back to, to order, back to the place from whence you came, I, I, from, from, from the kingdom and the presence of God, the relationship that he so desperately wants us in. If that's you this morning, then know this. The Lord is preparing a place for you, not in some other house down the street. The Lord is preparing a place for you in the midst of his intimacy, where his presence and his Shekinah glory are showing up and manifesting. Why? Because you're a part of the kingdom coming. You're a part of the conception and the birthing process of what God wants to do in this region. This place is too small. It's too cramped. So let the builders hurry. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace over the years, over the generations, all the things we've gotten wrong. We thank you for your grace, even over the mindsets. Lord, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the unwillingness to allow people to, to, to come back to you. Lord, help us to see that, that what's happening here is, is your pushing from the inside out. And as you've been in the heart of each one of your children, as you've been in the crucible moments of your churches throughout history, God, uh, you've been uh, in, the, in the fire that's, that's fallen. You've been in the spirit that's been manifesting. But Lord, I, I ask God now that, that you would forgive us, Lord. We repent for the places that we've restricted you that we've restricted those parameters that we've said no enough is enough and we've settled for less than what you really wanted God forgive us where we've built up walls to contain a thing that was never meant to be contained but only defined by fire so Lord have your way have your way here God this, this whole thing is yours the land down the street that we were going to build on, it's yours. Yeah, yes. This mall, it's yours, God. The parts that we, that we take possession of and the parts we don't. Lord, the parking lot and every pothole in it. It's yours, Lord. It's yours. Do with it as you please. Lord, the homes, every street of New England, it's yours. The townships, the old churches with a few people left the pew in the back that's stained with tears of intercession. It's yours, Lord. It's yours. May we be a people this morning 
who pray and prepare for you to have your reward, King Jesus. And it's in your name, the only name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.